Chapter Six of the Broken Rosary by Grace and Harold Johnson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Six. As they walked toward the stairway, Davis glanced at Wilkes with an expression of lazy, idle interest. You think Adams was lying? Wilkes nodded almost imperceptibly. Could be, but why? Davis forced a laugh. Why? That's the big question. One thing, sure. He's scared about something. A guy as afraid as Adams was just now would have made a hot prosecutor. Good thing he lost the election to Wally. Wilkes made no reply to this. Instead, he looked at the list of names of those still to be questioned. Let's get down to hear what Art Short, the realtor, and Doc Larkins, the dentist, have to tell us. Davis's lips curled. More lies, maybe. Could be. They found Dr. Larkins and Art Short seated in the dentist's small waiting room. Larkins, a tall, thin man, slightly bald, was smoking a cigarette and leafing through a magazine, while Short sat quietly holding a bloody handkerchief to his mouth. Wilkes' eyes scanned the two men with light, searching attention. Sorry to keep you waiting. Dr. Larkins looked sourly at him. You've got a job to do, and somebody's got to be the last on the list, I suppose. We've had a rough time in here tonight, too. Never in trouble, mind you, but plenty rough. Art's tooth had been filled and refilled so many times it was only a shell. It broke twice. Get it all out? Wilkes asked. All but the tip, and that should work its way out. He's been through enough for one night, so I don't want to do any more. If it causes trouble, we'll cut it out later. But I don't believe that will be necessary. Good, Wilkes said. Now for a couple of questions. What time did you get here this evening, Doctor? Dr. Larkins paused to think before he answered. Around 8.20, I'd say. Did you take the elevator? Yes. See anyone? No. Just the elevator man and Art here. He was waiting in the hall for me. Wilkes turned his attention to Short. Think you can talk? Uh-huh. Short grunted through his handkerchief. Okay. What time did you get here? About five minutes before Doc. Hear anything that sounded like a shot? Short shook his head. See anyone? Happy Tipolo. Davis let out a deep, Ha! Wilkes shot him a glance before he asked, Where? Short took his handkerchief from his mouth. On the stairway between the second and third floors, Tipolo was climbing the stairs, but when he saw me he turned around and went down ahead of me. I got off the elevator by force of habit on the third floor where my office is. I was afraid Doc would be waiting for me, so I didn't wait for the elevator, but walked down. And Tipolo was ahead of you? Wilkes asked. Yes. Did he seem in a hurry? No, he stopped to light a cigarette, said hello to me, and kept going. Did you see anyone when you got down to this floor? No, the hall was empty. I stood by Doc's door until he came. How long did you wait? Not long, three, maybe four minutes. A tired smile lifted the corners of Wilkes' mouth. Well, I guess that's all. Sorry we couldn't get here sooner. Hope your tooth doesn't bother you so much you can't sleep tonight. The realtor shrugged his shoulder. His attempt at a smile was not successful. Have to take it as it comes. At least it won't hurt like it did at dinner time. I had to call off an appointment to show a house to a couple of prospects. After Wilkes wrote a pass-out for the two men, Art Short moved quickly down the corridor, left the bank, got in his car, and started for home. 
it was a relief to have the tooth out. Funny thing about a toothache, if you could keep your mind on something else, it didn't hurt so much. That fellow Wilkes sure was a pleasant guy for the head of a police force, and so was Davis, although he acted pretty important. Merton wasn't a bad town, considering, a bit on the hick side, but he liked it. He recalled his first day in town after he decided that Merton was a going place, a place to settle down and make money. How Frank Winslow, cashier then, president now, a city bank, had fawned on him when he deposited his certified check for $12,000, drawn on a Chicago bank. With the check, he set up his business in real estate. That was back in 1933, when times were rough. He bought houses right and left at sacrifice prices, on low-down payments, held them, and made money. As far as he was concerned, it was like riding a boom from there on until now. Within a couple of weeks after his arrival in town, he was art to everyone in the business section. How the fact got around that he was solvent. Money talked in this town, like everywhere else, and he'd been smart in coming here. It didn't seem possible that he had lived here over twenty years. He made money, friends, and lived the good life. He had few worries, and he was going to keep it that way. Man wasn't made to worry. As he brought his car to a stop at the intersection of Main and Fourth Streets, he saw Dan O'Hara driving in the opposite direction. There is a fellow who ought to make a success of his life, short thought. He's got everything, youth, good looks, nice personality, lots of ability, and a level head. Short recalled the conversation he had with O'Hara that afternoon as they met on Main Street. They got to talking about Wally Brighton and the prosecutor's office. O'Hara had a lot of the answers, but he wasn't handing them out, not even when he was prodded. You mean to tell me you haven't heard the things they say about Wally Brighton? Sure, but nobody's got any proof, Dan replied. Proof's there, I'll wager, if anyone went after it. I've often wondered just what Brighton's got on your boss to get the dispatch to support him every time he's up for re-election. Which boss? Falls or Dove? Either one could fire me. Dove's only the city editor. I mean Falls. He's really the dispatch writes the important editorials, and he wrote plenty in favor of Brighton. No one in his right mind would want a guy like him for county prosecutor. Brighton gets convictions, Dan said, and he's got a tough, thankless job. Yeah, he gets convictions. I'll grant you that. But it's beginning to look like he convicts only those he has no use for. Let's say, only those he can't use. People are beginning to talk about how some cases that should be brought to trial never get there because they can produce enough money to keep them out of court. You're intimating blackmail, Dan said. You've heard all this before, O'Hara. Sure, sure, but personally I think the talk is a lot of hooey. If Mr. Falls has heard the same guff, I'm sure he thinks the same. Look, Mr. Short, if we believed every rumor we hear at the dispatch office, everybody in town would be heading either for the penitentiary or the insane asylum. You've got to believe the best of a man until you've got proof to the contrary. Might be a scoop in it for you, if you could prove it. You don't mean that, do you, Mr. Short? How would you prove it unless the victim steps right out and says, Look, I've been blackmailed. There's the joker who did it, and I'm willing to tell all to prove it. Dan shook his head. Uh-uh. That's not the way it is in life. The guy that's being bled is so scared of anyone finding out what he's covering up that he'll do everything he can to protect the blackmailer. I guess that's the way of it. Sure, it's a shame, though, that nothing can be done about it. 
short frowned now as he recalled his own words and the futility of the situation it didn't seem to get young o'hara down though you find me somebody that brighton's been prodding mr short and i'll see to it that we get a grand jury to investigate him but as i said before i don't believe any of this stuff about wally brighton he's a good joe he's in politics people talk about him and he has his enemies any guy in his position has maybe he isn't lily white how many people are there's good and bad in all of us that's one thing i learned in the army you meet up with a lot of jokers there it brings out what's in em some of the boys were playing no good but they came through in the end things are different in the excitement of war dan not necessarily in the army you see a cross-section of humanity believe me it taught me to reserve my judgment of my fellow man badness and goodness are mighty close together it's better to think of the good in a fellow the average guy that does wrong regrets it and is downright sorry for it as he recalled the conversation now art short was sorry that he couldn't have continued to talk with o'hara he sure had quite a philosophy but herb parker had come along and joined them and he wasn't in a very happy frame of mind what's up mr parker o'hara greeted him everything never go into the hardware business the way things are made now there are all kinds of substitutes and most of them don't hold up who gets the blame the hardware merchants me i'm ready to sell out know anybody who wants to buy a good hardware store short smiled as he remembered what he said it was so true without that store herb you wouldn't know what to do you go to an early grave you came here to merton about the same time i did and look what you've got the biggest hardware and mill supply house in town we've had good years both of us parker agreed glumly couldn't help it the way things were i loaded up at rock-bottom prices during the depression and just held on that took nerve though o'hara said well i guess so but it's a rotten business right now insolent clerks annoyed customers nothing a good depression wouldn't cure you wouldn't want that would you dan asked i'll take anything to the way business is right now O'Hara winked and nodded toward a small, well-dressed man, writing on a pad, using the wall of the building for a desk. "'Now there's a good business, Parker. No store, no stock, no overhead, no labor trouble.' "'The numbers racket?' Parker asked. "'That's it. Biggest single business in town,' Dan replied. "'If you dug into that racket,' Parker said, "'and got the dispatch to play it up for what it is, you'd really be doing something for this town.' Short laughed to himself as he recalled the nettled expression on O'Hara's face as he said, Look, guys, that's a job for the police to take care of, not me. Those jokers aren't in the rackets for fun, and I'd wind up with slow, soft music being played for me. No thank you. End of chapter 6